Hello everyone, I'm Denis Love and this is Sheep Valley, a show about Sheffield Startup's third episode. I want to remind you every week that the goal for this podcast is to increase the awareness about Sheffield Startups and to hopefully contribute to more connectedness within the city's ecosystem. If you're a Sheffield-based startup employee or founder, get in touch with me so we can keep showing everyone the exciting businesses we have here. No matter how you found out about the podcast, whether it's through my personal LinkedIn account, Sheep Valley's Twitter or Instagram account, or on Spotify, Subscribe to stay in the mix and not miss an episode. My guest today is Adiem Emanuel, the founder of 721. Adiem was born in Sheffield but spent lots of time traveling around the world, getting to as far as Shanghai. Now she's back home being part of Sheffield's startup ecosystem, and her story is very cool. Sheaf Valley, episode 3. So I'm here with Adiem from 721. Hi Adiem, how are you? Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. What about you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thanks a lot for accepting my invitation to be my guest. Oh, not a problem. This is a fun opportunity. So I know you from before. I've seen you before. uh, And I know your backstory. And so I find it really interesting. So I just want you to spend some time telling us about uh, your life prior to 721. And uh, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, my life prior. Okay. So it's, it's a little bit of everything, um, to be honest. Um, so I studied, I did sociology in Birmingham and I've always loved to travel. Um, so I kind of took a gap year prior to uni and then throughout uni, I was, um, traveling and working in different places. And in my last year at uni, I started doing, um, Mandarin (laughs) I kind of wanted to add on another language to to my resume so and I kind of fell in love with Chinese and uh, through the help of the teacher um, managed to move um, over to fly over to Shanghai and then started working there and then basically worked in marketing teaching events PR sort of a mixture of Um, different jobs in different companies and also in a startup and then eventually um, through more travel and more work got inspired to to start my own um, my own business so seven to one how did it happen when did it happen why did it happen okay so the original aha moment was actually um, so when I was living in Shanghai and we have Chinese New Year around um, February for like a month so each year everyone kind of travels outside of China. So that particular year I decided to go to India. And as I was in India, uh, we flew into the South and we were getting, I was with a friend and we were on a train moving, uh, going to North. And we bumped into people that were sort of uh, going the opposite way. And then on the train, uh, we were all exchanging notes of like travel tips of what to do and what not to do. And these groups of people, they were kind of like similar personalities to us. So we knew that we were in good hands. Um, And then we both sides sort of experienced and traveled India based on what we all wrote on the notes. And we had a really good time. So that kind of just gave me an aha moment to sort of be like, surely there's a tool out there that allows us to sort of experience another culture through um, the eyes of someone who knows it better or someone who's been there before us. So that was the aha moment in terms of what 721 is in terms of the brand itself. But then the product, we kind of did um, different kinds along the journey. Okay, so when you started it, when, when did that happen? Um, 
Yeah, so I, so I kind of, I, I went back to Shanghai and at that time I was um, working for an events startup actually. Um, and that was like funded by this big media agency in China. And I was already learning the, the sort of the, I was in a startup, so I kind of knew how it would all go about. So at that time I kind of decided, right, I want to start my own. And, um, I went to different, uh, meetup, uh, you know, meetup, right. Yep. Different meetup groups for like developers and designers sort of trying to, uh, get troops and get kind of trying to find like team members to come and join me because the idea at the beginning was to turn it into an app that can allow you to do this. Um, so through, so it would just be me going to these random developers meet up, um, trying to talk to people, trying to just tell people what I was really interested in and what I wanted to do. Um, and eventually through word of mouth, people started coming to me because they just heard about this crazy girl looking for developers had no idea like anything in tech or anything in design i just wanted to make this thing that was it like i had no i had no idea what they would even need to do but um so they kind of appreciate the passion they like the idea of the whole uh, travel culture sort of thing and then little by little the pieces kind of came together and then we were a team of uh, it was myself two developers and two um mark like sort of doing the creative content side like marketing and that kind of stuff so altogether we were five one particular time um but that journey sort of ended very shortly as the idea of the app just i think it was the target audience there was a lot of things that just weren't um we didn't do well to be fair so uh that plan short of sort of fell short and then um i came back home and restarted so back to sheffield what did you do so I kind of came back home and the initial plan was just to come back home and figure out if I could continue with this thing or if it was time to kind of go back to reality, back to that nine to five. And I came home just to see my family and friends. Like I had no intention of staying. I was actually going to move to South America at the time. But um, through again, I just had this itch to sort of figure out what's available in Sheffield. Um, I had zero expectation because the Sheffield I know was not this business or entrepreneur sort of setup. That's that I just knew Sheffield through the school. So like from my childhood, like I left when I was 18, right? Um, so I contacted uh, Business Sheffield and I had a meeting with Natalie Fletcher. And that first meeting instantly, she loved the idea and she was kind of telling me about all these different programs and all these things available within Sheffield. And I was completely sh like, I was shocked. I was like, what? I didn't know about this. So she put me in touch with Tom uh, from Sheffield Technology Parks. And uh, he told me about how they had this incubator program for early stage tech startups. So I, after kind of seeing all these different opportunities, um, it meant starting from scratch and starting from the beginning, but I didn't mind to be honest, cause I had a lot to learn. Um, so I decided to stay. <laughs> what followed? Um, so I joined Sheffield Technology Parks and I, that meant sort of, uh, cause they're in contact with everything tech and everything business within Sheffield. So that kind of opened more opportunities for me to, to, uh, to learn from like marketing advisors or business advisors. And it's, it was a journey of actually, uh, learning the step-by-step -step of how you actually build a business. 
because I think in Shanghai I was just too ambitious and I kind of just went for it and I didn't really know the template or setup or structure behind it. I just wanted to do this thing. Um, so for the first time, second time around, um, I started to learn like, okay, this is what I, that, what requires, what's needed to, to have a successful business and to be like a good entrepreneur. Um, so I started going to the meetings. I started sort of uh, going to different events and, 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 and as we were brainstorming how the app, or the idea would look like in Sheffield. Um, I joined um, the Tech Startup Weekend, which they were, Sheffield Technology Park was sponsoring. And that weekend was an opportunity to sort of uh, redefine uh, the idea I had and how best to turn it into a viable business in a very short amount of time. It was 72 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. And in that weekend, I met. Um, two of my now, uh, two of my teammates, um, uh, Alex and Bav, both developers, uh, both interested in the idea, interested in the product, loved how it evolved throughout the weekend, loved my passion. So we kind of got together um, and, oh yeah, I won that tech startup weekend, by the way, I could have mentioned that, key thing that, uh, and part of the prize, part of uh, becoming first was you get, uh, free space at Collider. So what that meant was that gave us an opportunity over last summer to work on our app, um, the, our first 721 app, which we launched over a year ago. So give us a bit of timeline. Um, when, did you, when did you participate in the startup weekend? When did you launch the official version of 721? Okay, so uh, April last year, was the tech startup weekend um we launched seven the first version i think we launched july or something early like that and then over the summer we were sort of redefining um the ui ux and different screens and the interaction and kind of making it better and then i think september october last year we officially launched on google play store um and then we uh, worked towards launching it at the App Store. So we actually had an additional um, developer, Simon, so there was, free, uh, there was free in the tech team by then. And then we were working towards launching um, the app on uh, the App Store whilst building the community and building our online presence through um, our website and social media. So the plan was to launch May this year, um, but that didn't happen. Yeah, so September 2019, official launch, events, application, and then COVID happens in March yeah. 2020. Tell us what went through your head and just tell us how, what did you decide to do? How did, how did things look? So the, the, init, the, the app, the, what the app was, um, it was sort of a location-based app that showed you up to five miles, things, ex events, and experiences tailored to your personality. So first app in Shanghai was like an exchange journey sort of tool this second that which didn't work this second tool was uh, the second app in Sheffield was um, location-based it kind of worked like tinder but rather than people you had events and experiences and you could swipe yes or no so the more yeses the more the app understood who you were and kind of showed you like okay what else can you do um, in Sheffield or if you move to London oh since you like this and this in Sheffield you'll like this and this in London so it was really good and people were enjoying it but with COVID hitting and with all events, um, everything shutting, there was no more events. So we had no more content to play around with. 
there was literally nothing. So it kind of stopped. So the, the, the reaction was that because we assumed that it would just be a, a one month lockdown or maybe a one month, two months. We never really thought it would escalate to where it's escalated now. So we, we assumed it would be like a month or two. So we were like, okay, right. What can we do? How can we use this opportunity right now? Um, well, nobody can go out. So, and we weren't about events or experiences. It's about showing you different cultures and it's more than that, right? So we were like, okay, what else can we do? So the initial solution was to actually turn onto online events and experiences, which worked for about a week or two, but then people just were sick of online stuff. Um, so then that kind of went down and then we were like, all right, we either just have to stop and focus on Instagram or website for the time being and then relaunch, or we might have to pivot. So when the pandemic kind of continued, we realized at that point, okay, even if we return, are people actually going to go to events? Are they going to go outside like they did before? There was just too many questions and we couldn't predict what was going to happen. So we were like, okay, what? what is happening and what can we do with it so one thing that's happening is everyone's at home so we're like okay how can we still reach our target audience is there a different way maybe that's not an app can we think outside the box and then that's when it kicked in we were like oh what if we gave them the experience but clearly we tried to do that through the online stuff on the app but that wasn't it didn't feel like an experience so we're like okay what if we can do it in a different way how would that look like and that's when the subscription boxes kind of came about and we were like all right what, so at the beginning, it was just sort of social experience um, led subscription boxes and, we, and then we tailored it to travel inspired. So every month we pick a city and then we sort of put everything we can in that box that represents that city. So then we ship that to the customer and the customer could get a feel of that country or that particular place of what they eat, about the culture, everything that is. So it's kind of an interactive experience. And that's and that's we've been doing that for the past couple of months, basically. So this is our third product i guess so what was the reaction to the pivot i remember seeing another instagram in in august being quite excited how did your user base find it i think it was people were first of all we still had a lot of people on our app and i think they were sort of trying to figure out what we were doing and because we've had people follow us from the beginning of our journey so people realize not only what we're offering but who we're about so we still kind of had that user base and i think uh, especially over the summer as well we've had like a really hot summer so people wanted to go out and do something but you couldn't go to the park you couldn't go you can go anywhere so they still wanted to do something so our boxes kind of offered them the opportunity to just be out in their garden uh, with a plus one or a family member or a friend that they could invite over so it was just a different concept a different thing for them to try out so definitely excited and I think the online thing was dying out at that time as well so we just sneaked in at the right time basically Hopefully, we get some some normality next year with the uh, with the vaccine uh, already being in use. But let's say that events come back. Are you looking to restore seven to one to its previous uh, to, to to its previous version, or are you looking to just expand the version of the subscription boxes now? I think I don't really look at seven to one as a product. Like I look at it as a brand and as a community. And as so, to me that maybe events might have not been a, a good solution in the first place anyway. So I don't really look at it as a loss. So I think what we have right now seems to be uh, fitting in a lot more in the best way that we can provide who we say we are. So we will definitely continue with that. We won't block out the events and we will definitely relaunch our app, but maybe we'll try to 
who knows whether we'll still have events or experiences or whether we'll put something else. So I'm not really fixate, like too attached to the, the app or the events or to, you know, whatever works best in what we can deliver and in, in what seven to one is, I'm more focused on that. So if the, the boxes work really well and continue to work really well, actually, then we'll stick with that for the time being well, being open-minded about other things. I like it. A culture in a box, basically. You're delivering one yeah. culture per box. Yeah, per... definitely. Yeah, because I think it has to be interactive, right? Yes, I agree. And in the end of the day, as you said, if you're focused on seven to one being being a brand rather than you know rather than people knowing you just for the app that gives a chance to swipe left or right for places, you want to be something more than that. Yeah, and I think like what I realized actually is one of the biggest things we didn't notice before, and I really do think maybe that's why the app, the, the Shanghai app might have not worked, is that um, even though we're focusing on millennials who like want to travel, who are curious about culture, who are open-minded, they all have different lifestyles. So some of them do have a nine to five. They don't have the time and they don't have the money. So they might not be able to use the app all the time. Whereas the boxes, they can afford that and they can make time for that. So that fits in with their lifestyle. So we recognize that each of our products that we sort of worked on actually fit in the different lifestyles so it doesn't limit us in a sense we've just learned that oh okay so this works for this group who don't have the time this works for those groups who might be students or who might have a little bit more time to travel kind of thing you know what boxes have you had until now so we've had so just uh, we had a hawaiian themed box um the uh, what, what we are now december no, november uh october we had tokyo um september we had uh, colombia um and then august we had a uh, picnic themed that was our first one so that was our first summer one and then we pivoted to travel tailored one so we're trying to pick like cities we're trying to focus on cities mostly if you want to make a bulgarian box you can just reach oh, out yeah? always help you yeah, that would be really good. Oh my God, I want to think of that. That would be really good. Thank you. Of course. So apart from COVID, which has obviously been like the main challenge uh, after creating your startup, what has been the second biggest challenge for you since you started the 7 to 1 journey? Now I'm trying to think. I mean, there's been so many challenges, but I just don't see them as a challenge. Do you know what I mean? I feel like once you learn what the problem is or once you learn how to solve it, it's no longer a challenge. So is it a challenge? Hmm. I think it's a pretty good, good way to think about it because you're always going to have challenges. You're always going to have challenges and especially if you don't have experience in starting your like business, which I never did. So I knew that there was a lot for me to learn like as a person, as a business. So I, I always, I walked into it knowing that. So yeah. whatever comes, I'm always like, oh, okay, did not, did not know that, you know? So what has been something really difficult for you then? Maybe I underestimated the time it would take. Um, maybe I underestimated what's actually required, I would say. So I don't know if it's hard or a challenge, but maybe something I misunderstood about the whole thing was that um, there was a lot involved and a lot to learn. And I think um, with 721, like it's an original concept and uh, the idea and how it started and things like that and there's no we can't just copy and paste another idea or another we can't follow another company because we are actually doing our own thing so that means we have to figure it out ourselves 
there are some similar, but nothing comes close to what we're doing. So I guess that, that could be a challenge. Your team and you as a leader, what type of, mani- what type of uh, leader are you are and how do you manage? Uh, what type of a leader am I? Um, do you have a style of leadership, would you, would you say? I think, uh, I don't know if it's a style, like my style, my approach is that uh, like I kind of know how each person, because like people are different, right? And different personalities hear different words, respond to different things. So I've kind of learned like what works best for each person, if that makes sense. And I've learned how to communicate that as best as possible, depending on who the person is and how they listen or how they understand something and how to sort of like work on their strength. So is that a style? I don't know if that's, that's been my approach. Yeah. Um, so I just know, um, yeah. Did you find it easy to transition to like a leadership role or... Was it something that, uh, did, did you try to learn more about it or did you just went with your natural instincts? I think I'm, I would definitely say I have natural instincts at this because I think I've always focused on what the what 71 is and I've always focused, like I can see it in my eyes even right now, even though it's not like in front of me, I mean inside me, but like I could see where we're going. And I think whoever's worked with me has always been able to see that as well. So we've always just worked towards that. So that makes it easier, if you know what I mean. We're all moving in the same direction. We're not focusing on all the little problems, whatever it is. We're all, we know where like the end goal is or we know what the next stage is. And each person, regardless of their personality or the way they communicate, have seen that. I've had to learn how to work with uh, developers, with designers. And that, I guess, was a challenge. Now it's okay. But um, the communication you need to, to, to be speaking to developers and especially guys, so that I had to learn for sure because sometimes I would say something and just I don't know what they hear but like it's they're not hearing me like they're just not even though they're trying and it's not even they're trying to be rude but they're just hearing something else and then when we have a meeting I'm like what is this like what did I thought we spoke about this they're like no we didn't like what so we've I, I so I kind of I realized earlier on I was like it's not them it's me I'm saying it I think I must be saying it in the wrong way like I they're not hearing me. It's not that they're not trying, they're just not hearing me. So I had to learn that pretty quickly. And then that kind of allowed me to sort of adapt to different personalities and depending whether they're developers or designers, whatever they are. Do you think there's something inherently different between uh, leading a tech startup and leading any other team? Or do you think if you're a good leader, you're going to be able to manage different kinds of teams? Oh, that was a really good question. I like, for example, even if I see myself now with the small team I have and seeing myself with a big team, I don't see any different. Like I don't, I think if it's organized, if it's structured, if you have clear communication at each level, I don't see a problem. So would that change you as a person to being a different leader or style? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know how hands-on big leaders are or if they're not, I don't know. I guess I'll have to see when I get there, but right at the moment, I don't think, I think as you become bigger, I think you have someone to sort of like manage a certain team and then, do you know what I mean? I think you just need structure. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So now being a founder, 
being in this ex exclusive group of people who have started their own businesses, tell us one thing that only founders know that people like people like me who haven't started their own business or at least haven't taken it to to the stage where you've taken it now because I've had my my fair share of uh, unsuccessful tries as I've told you before. So tell mm -hmm. us one thing that only founders know. Um, that's a good question. You've got really good questions, by the way. Um, Thank you. Um, I would say for me personally, I would like, cause when I look back and now I, I see like this version in me looking back at that version kind of thing. Um, I would say I was very, I still am actually disillusional, like it to the point where sometimes, um, because I want it so bad enough that I don't see things. Does that make sense? Like I, so that disillusion sort of helps you navigate through and block out all the noises and the doubts and the, uh, what if it couldn't work, but da, 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 do you know what I mean? You find it when you get there and then you're like, and then you solve the problem. Whereas now, cause I know so much more already, if I was to think of a different business or if I was to think of something, I'm already thinking of slight like roadblocks. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before I just didn't, I was too into what I was doing. I was too ambitious. I just went for it. Like no noise, no doubt ever came like, cause I didn't know. So yeah. in a sense, not knowing actually really helped me. You mentioned the startup weekend, uh, where, where, which you won and yeah. where you met some of your teammates. So <laughs> I, I met you there as well as, the, as, one yeah. of the, as one of the organizers. I love me some startup weekend promotion. So if you could, yeah. just, tell us, you could just tell us a little more about the event and uh, what did you find useful? Is there, is there anything that's left from the event still with you, apart from um, obviously your, uh, your, some of your teammates? Um, oh God, I learned, I think I changed over that weekend. I think I honestly changed me as a person. Um, I think because it's everything within those two, three days and you're working alongside so many others, like also just as driven and you get to see all the, the different ideas and how they develop like every day. And you get to see how the different teams work, how the leaders sort of lead. So it's just everything all at once. And so it's sort of like a pressure cooker and everyone's in, in that. And you kind of just see how each person handles it. Um, I really, one of the biggest things I learned is to pivot, to pivot as quickly as possible. So sometimes I think in the past, maybe when there was a problem, I wasn't ready to give up yet, but you can give up in a way where you'll turn into a better solution or a better direction. Do you know what I mean? So I learned that there. So you don't just need to solve it. Or maybe if it's not, you can't solve it there's actually a different way and i think that's because of that and during the the, the covid situation like six months ago and that's why we kind of moved really quickly because instantly we went online and then that didn't work we were like okay this is not working so is there a different way we could go and then we pivoted to boxes so that pivot has like stayed in me that there is always a solution always it just it might like it might look different Having been everywhere around the world, but still being born in Sheffield and now as an integral part of the ecosystem, tell us what the ecosystem is giving you and has given you. And tell us also what you would like it to give you more. Oh, that's a good question. Dennis, you're, you're on with the questions. Um, I think like having started in Shanghai and Shanghai, there's such a buzz in that city for entrepreneurship, for businesses to so many creative develop, like everyone's out there in, in some kind of startup and I was thrown right in the middle and it's very competitive 
and it's very especially if you don't have a clue like you're not gonna last long um and I had no idea but when I came back here I didn't think there was anything available here like in my mind if I was ever to do a startup again I would move to London or I, mo I would move somewhere bigger you know where you kind of assume is where the opportunities are so I was really surprised with the amount of startup programs, help, guidance, everything that's available here. And it was perfect for me because it just kind of gave me a good, healthy um, ground to rebuild myself, to actually learn what I needed to learn without all this competitiveness. Do you know what I mean? Just start from the beginning and but do it right. So through Business Sheffield and through start, uh, Sheffield Technology Parks, I've kind of had so many opportunities and I've learned so much about business and about myself. So I think people probably underestimate how much is available within local uh, smaller cities. And I think you just assume to move to the capital or to move to a bigger place where there's more of that, but that is not necessarily good for you if you're not established or you're not ready because you will just die in the competition. And we always talk about taking from the ecosystem, but startups have to give back. So what do you think can startups and, and founders give back to the ecosystem? How can they be champions of the ecosystem and maybe just show it more to people around and make people more excited about it? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'd say we give back at the moment is just to inspire people who do want to start their own thing because there are loads. Even I've been to the like Uni, uh, Uni of Sheffield a couple of times and you just see so many with so many great ideas but again don't have an idea that there are tools or this help or this assistance available and they don't really have access to other startups as well or that they just don't know about so when they see you and they see that you started there and they realize oh i could do this here as well like this is available for me here um so i would say at the time being just to inspire and sort of create a bigger network for others to see what ideas are out there and what kind of people are out there and who they can collaborate with. Another thing is as well, when you're starting, I'm sure you noticed yourself, like you want to be around people who are like you, but you don't quite know where they are. Like someone should create an app for that, by the way, but um, you just don't know where that person is. So it's nice to meet like-minded people yeah. and connect with them and then sort of just put you in that space, that healthy sort of energy space for you to sort of build whatever it is that you want to build or be whoever you want to be. Um, so I would say just connecting more, speaking more at different things where um, it's accessible to students or to anyone who wants to start out within Sheffield. Yes, I actually think what you said, uh, particularly about knowing that you can do something here is very yeah. important because, you know, for example, my, my podcast with uh, Max from last week and yeah. uh, he's the founder of a quantum, quantum tech startup yeah. and let's okay. say that let's say that there is uh there is a student and so they're really good in what they're doing in terms of quantum physics and they have this amazing yeah. idea but then when they read about quantum all they all they hear and all they read about is in things going on in london in cambridge they don't know about uh Egypt, but if they, yeah. found, they found out about Egypt, they might be saying oh if Egypt can do it in sheffield then we can do it as well so yeah just creating a bigger awareness, I think. And I don't quite know where you would even find that. Like, I, I didn't know where to look when I first came. I would have never known if it wasn't for Business Sheffield. But not everybody can, like, think, oh, let me contact Business Sheffield. And I actually just Googled what is in Sheffield or businesses in Sheffield or something like that, and Business Sheffield came up. 
So not everyone would think to do that. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know how else. Um, and I think like another thing I learned as well, there's so many students in like geography or architecture or whatever random thing that you wouldn't associate with business that want to start their own business and or want to be part of a business. So there's hunger for it for sure. Like One other thing that I believe there is hunger for in Sheffield, especially with startups, is funding. So yeah. tell us, have you been funded? And uh, if yes or if not, what could be better in terms of Sheffield when it comes to funding startups? Yeah, so with, we, we are actually seeking um, funding at the moment, investment. And right now, we've kind of reached that stage. I wanted us to reach a stage where we knew who we were, what we could offer. And I think at the time, it was, um, I mean, there's been so many opportunities at Sheffield Technology Parks. There's always so many events and so many um, meetings about the different kind of funding available within South Yorkshire and within the country and within Europe. So I would say, I didn't even know you could have a bit to just, even if not, you don't want to do the traditional like series A, series B, there are different kind of loans and grants and that kind of stuff available. Um, I wanted us to reach a level where we knew who we were and we knew how to make that money and we knew how to return it back to the to investor or to whoever it was. And we weren't ready. Now we are. So now we will actually be applying and seeking um, the different ways. Now we know where to put that money rather than just burn it. So we know where it needs to go and we know how to give it back to you. So we are in the position of looking for some. So um, I know I've heard there's so many different COVID uh, relief uh, grants and things like that as well. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what's available within tourism or because um, I know there's loads. I've seen loads for everything. So I'm, I'm curious. Are you going to be looking for specific grants or for venture capital? So I think we're going to look for grants for now and sort of just, we want to use the opportunity while it's available as well. Maybe in the future, we might consider uh, venture capital. Okay, Adium. So now I want to ask you five questions which are more focused on you rather than seven to one. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so the first question is about books. I love okay. talking about books on, on this podcast. So... I want to ask you to recommend a book that every entrepreneur should read. Oh, you're going to hate me for this answer, I think. Um, so my experience with books is I've read so many business entrepreneurships, all you can think. I've read everyone to the point where I could kind of see the pattern. But a lot of them just were by men and in a particular sort of work of like working, if that makes sense which did and which I sort of took in and I used to wake up at like five six o'clock exercise only sleep for like five six hours you know Elon Musk can do it and I realized like that actually doesn't work for me like I need my sleep like I have my own way of working so for the first time ever I think this year I sort of just learned to embrace like who I am and how I work and how I lead rather than sort of looking at um, I mean, there's definitely value in these books and there's definitely like I've, I've learned a lot. But ultimately, as long as you can just see what works for you after reading that book and what doesn't and using that and also just figuring out how you work as well. So I don't know about suggesting a book that would have changed my life or would have changed. I'm ruining this question for you, am I? No, no, I actually, I actually agree with you. With books, it's never about just copying what someone says, because you're right, everyone's different, everyone has different habits. And yeah. so 
I think I think what books can do for you is that if you keep reading and you accumulate that knowledge, then you are more you can more easily select the specific things yeah. that can help you. Definitely, I think the book that's like for me, it's it's inspired me more with ideas and strategies. I would say, but on a personal level, I don't know if they were helpful. Maybe more mental and more like being strategic and having ideas and how to implement it, whatever it is. But I would say as a person, I kind of like learn, okay, this is how I work. And if I stick to how I work, I can actually be more productive and be more, just a lot better. But one book I would say that I love is, uh, is it Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I love books that sort of just change your mindset and sort of teach you that it's not just about action on the outside. It's sort of just building that muscle internally as well. Books like that I love. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, I would say, is a really good book to just build in that internal muscle. That's fine. Actually, I, I'd like to break the typical structure of my podcast because you said something that's reminded me that I want to ask you a question. So you're a woman and you're also a person of color. So when it comes yeah. to, to startup founders and especially tech startup founders, yeah. you're, uh, you're in the very small percentages of both women and people of color who... Yeah who start their own who started on tech ventures yeah. so i wanted to ask you whether uh you being a woman and a person of color has in some in some way uh been harmful in regards to your entrepreneurial journey being what sorry being Harm, uh, whether whether um, you yeah whether it's been harmful or oh whether it's, it's been a challenge i think like i said like i think a clear example is the books ones i think sometimes you forget you're a woman and you're like black i think when you read those books by guy males who are white what you turn into them like you, you're like wait no this is not who i am like i can't maybe that works for that person but let me just take out what could work for me and also figure out who i am um i would say that i think me being so disillusioned at the beginning of my journey really really did block out all kinds of noise um including all that part being a female or whatever like that did not even cross my mind or i would not allow it to ever cross my mind so it was very I, i'd say it's more i've learned to build inner confidence and not be like um intimidated when i do enter rooms and there is nobody that resembles me so and that's happened that happened instantly in shanghai because when i was looking for developers it was always um a lot of a lot of in the meetings it was the majority were foreigners i would say 80% foreigners maybe 20% chinese all male all male i would say 90% all white so they look at you like oh i think you're in the wrong room and you can just feel like you're like i might you kind of convince yourself shit maybe i am in the wrong room like what is going on here and then you kind of stay behind and then they realize oh she's not like she's actually here and then but i think i've been fortunate where i would say i've had more people being like that were intrigued and that were curious and then they've just seen someone different to what they usually see in a room so they i would say a lot kind of went out of their way just to help me not even look at anything like just to help me because they just realized like oh okay it must be hard for her maybe i don't know whatever reason or maybe they like my passion or the idea or whatever it is so i've had a lot of that um i would say the challenge has never been on the external although like obviously i do believe others who say they've they've had their challenges on the outside but i would say for me i just had to be, be confident in being a woman in business and being like a black woman in business but i've been very lucky that until this point all i've worked with is men which was a challenge but that's all like just communication wise but i'm we're over that now 
so I've had to work um, so in Shanghai or even in Sheffield as well same thing happens here where you go to tech events or whatever it's again uh, male and even the tech startup weekend how many girls were there was like two girls I think maybe three or four yeah yeah and so you just get used to it and it doesn't really bother you as long as you just have that confidence like you know why you're there um then for me it's been okay but having said that like obviously i do understand if others have had their challenges um yes. yeah i think women in tech generally is a, is a very interesting topic would you say there is a way to inspire more women to to take on startup roles or to try to to create their own startups yeah def- i think we're the lucky generation where like people have really fixed up a lot of the mess before us so now at our stage we actually have more opportunities because they've done all the dirty work so this now i know that if i was to look i'm sure there's a lot of funding specifically for women or specifically for black women or in tech or whatever like that didn't exist before and that's thanks to whoever before me has had to go through that so i've kind of just walked in into this world and i'm seeing different opportunities for being black and female like that would have never happened before so i think there is that to look forward to as well let's talk about seven to one's name why seven to one um so the name that was a tough one that took a really long time so because it, so the initial idea came about when i was living abroad so and i thought i could run a business in china in shanghai so i needed a name and all the chinese name was so long and they just never made sense so i was like an only english name so i was sure if it would adapt because a lot of um international like companies even change their names like airbnb is something else you know each business is something else in china so i was like all right i'm going to have to do the same and then i thought what if i don't what if i just what is something that would translate to both and i was like oh numbers digits so that was and then i was like okay how could i make it make sense and then the 7217 continents into one together into a platform kind of came about and I was like oh okay so wherever i go whether it's in china uk wherever it is like that will work okay so being being uh, having been born in sheffield and now living again in the city tell us one place that you think everyone should visit oh okay um i haven't do you know what sheffield has changed I came back and I was like I don't recognize this place. So obviously you have your classic like botanical gardens and the peace gardens and these are just things that don't change and these is what kind of makes Sheffield home. Um I've loved uh seeing Kellam Island like that didn't exist before. That was new to me. Um and I really like all these um uh narrow sort of roads uh where there's like cafes and stuff in uh, near Sheffield Tetmarsh Park. Do you know what I mean? There's just like random shops and uh, cafes, pubs, sort of that area. Um so I would just say to just wander around to be honest and just figure out what's in each alley and then sort of see cuz there's a lot of art graffitis and there's a lot of like old um buildings renovated into something so there's a lot of like past and present sort of merged into one so I'm not sure about a particular place but have have a, have a walk around. Last week Max helped me with uh, some quantum tech to create a time uh, time traveling machine and uh, I use it every week on the podcast. You have 15 minutes with your 20 year old self then. So what would you what would you tell yourself? Uh probably just to relax a lot more and trust that 
like everything always works out. Do you know what I mean? And I think at that age, you are so clueless about the world and you're still at uni and you're still trying to figure out like who you are, what you want to do, um, constant like comparing with other things. So I would say just chill. Honestly, like I think everything sort of always works out in, in the end. If only we just trust ourselves a little bit more and have faith. What did Max say? He kind of said the same thing that he would tell himself he's awesome. I guess there is a recurring team with the answers to this question. Yeah, I think we think that like we might be doing something wrong, but maybe there's something that we need to do. Do you know what I mean at that age? But it's just, just like be, <laughs> enjoy it. What is one big, hairy, audacious goal for 7 to 1? Um, so we've had two major goals, short-term goals, long-term goals, because we've had two short-term goals of this year, which is one was to expand. Um, so I've actually been hiring, uh, interviewing people this week. So we actually, we're, we've got three new team members joining this week. So we kind of did one out of the two. And the other short-term goal was um, investment and funding. So I'm going to be focusing on that part. Uh, for next year, it's going to be uh, just to have a concrete brand and community about what 721 is to have multiple products that kind of fit um, to different sort of uh, lifestyles, but within the same uh, target audience. That was my last question. So I didn't thank so much for coming to my pod and I hope you enjoyed it as well. No problem. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me.